AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Wait, let me check. Wait, wait, wait. Yes! The grains are up! Uh, The stock market looks a little toppy. Corn and soybeans and wheat all higher so far today. Even the livestocks are at least mixed. Meanwhile, the Dow and the S&P are under pressure, at at least for now. I want to dig deep into what's going on in New York City uh, and touch base with our favorite land pro. Live from Transport Tuesday via Farm Journal broadcast, this is Agritalk. This morning, we begin with a conversation with Dr. Vince Malanga from LaSalle Economics. Then it's Doug Hensley from Hertz Real Estate and directly following the news, Karen Bonert from Farm Journal's Milk. I'm in for Chip all dang day today. It's me, extraordinary guest host, Davis Michelson. Thank you so much for tuning into AgriTalk this morning. I am behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk on a Transport Tuesday No, we're not necessarily going to focus on transport issues today. No, no, no. Our beloved host and Big Apple Joe are in transit even as we speak, or or at least getting ready to be so. They're headed to Commodity Classic. Big Apple Joe Stack was going to check in with us in the fourth. Dude wants to elbow his way into the conversation. Talk a little bit about where you can find uh, AgriTalk, Chip Flory. Um, he will be signing babies uh, certain times of the day. I'm not sure. Uh, so if you if you want to get your baby signed by Chip Floyd, bring it on into uh, Commodity Classic. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, we'll hear from them. Here's the thing. Okay, Doug Hensley from Hertz Real Estate, and I and I don't want to downplay his his role on what we've got going today because Doug always offers uh, very valuable insights. He's got a great perspective, obviously, on the land market. That's that's what the guy does. He's president of a land place thing, so he's bound to know. I'm I'm curious to uh, hear what he's got to say, what he's what he's thinking about looking forward. You know, maybe some reflections on uh, the end of 2023. We'll find out what we need to be thinking about land wise from Doug Hensley. Looking forward to that. But we've got Dr. Vince Malanga from LaSalle Economics. I I want to begin speaking with him as a New Yorker, not as an economist. There's a lot of freaky stuff going on um, in New York City. And let me be clear from the very, very top. Some of this involves the uh, the humongous uh, bill that a judge handed former President Donald Trump. I want to be clear. I'm not shilling for President Trump. Um, no, that's not what this conversation is about. But that legal decision did <laughs> elicit a response from truckers um, I've seen some stuff about it on YouTube. I want to find out if Vince knows anything about this, if it's as big a deal as some are saying. It's going to be an exciting show. I got a lot to get to. Bitcoin at 57,000, um, new highs there. Weird. Um, we'll, we'll see where we wind up with Vince. There's a lot I want to talk about with Dr. Malanga. Uh, and then, of course, Karen Bonert after the news, if, if I have time to get through it all. Um, Let's begin here with the news with the USDA reported daily export sale, 123,000 metric tons of soybeans. This too unknown during the 23-24 marketing year. That's probably China. Let's see, I'm trying to, now my translator still says unknown. Hmm. 
I guess we'll never know. From the National Weather Service weather outlook, heavy snow returns over parts of the Cascades, the northern Intermountain region, and northern Rockies on Wednesday. Heavy snow over parts of the upper Mississippi Valley and moderate to heavy snow over the Cascades to central Rockies on Tuesday. That's today. Light to moderate snow over the Great Lakes. Hello, South Bend. Central Appalachians and northeast on Wednesday. Light snow there as well. A slight risk of severe thunderstorms over parts of the Ohio Valley and Great Lakes on Tuesday. Wait, light to moderate snow over the Great Lakes plus a slight risk of severe thunderstorms over parts of the Ohio Valley and Great Lakes today. Wow. Look out, South Bend. South American crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier kept his Brazilian and Argentine crop estimates unchanged given rains last week and more in the forecast this week. Cordonier estimates Brazil's production at 145 million metric tons for beans and 112 million metric tons for corn. Argentina's production he puts at 50 million metric tons for soybeans and 54 million metric tons for corn. A Dr. C has a neutral to lower bias toward crops in both countries. Well, with less than four days until a crucial deadline for federal funding extension, Congress has begun preparations for a partial government shutdown. While a bipartisan spending deal is possible, disagreements persist on issues like aid to Ukraine and border security. House Speaker Mike Johnson faces pressure from his conservative faction, complicating resolution without a short-term deal by Friday. Uh, several departments, you got the USDA, the Energy Department, Transportation Department, Veterans Affairs, and others could run out of funds. That affects about 20% of the federal government and key priorities like military construction. Well, Treasury Janet Yellen will highlight the U.S. economy's robustness as a significant factor in global economic resilience during meetings with top officials from G20 and developed nations. This in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Yellen's prepared remarks underscore predictions of a worldwide economic slowdown in 2023 as forecast by the International Monetary Fund and others, and it did not come to fruition. Did it or did it not? I don't know. This might be a good question for Vince. Hmm. In other news, top oil industry lobbying groups, including the American Petroleum Institute, are challenging via a petition the Biden administration's halt on approving new liquefied natural gas exports. A trade group representing LNG exporters expressed concerns about the pause, stating it could have adverse effects on the market, making it difficult for U.S. developers, there's that word again, to secure financial commitments and complete projects. And finally, uh, let's go to this one. House Republicans are questioning the effectiveness of President Biden's electric vehicle program. In a letter, they highlight slow progress in EV infrastructure development, citing delays in charger delivery, labor contracting issues, and concerns about award distribution. And with that, let's get to uh, our our very own Karen Bonert from Farm Journal's Milk. Good morning, Karen. How are you? I'm great. Good morning. Well, um, milk production drops for the seventh month in a row. The headline screams in dairy herd. Uh, can we talk about the USDA milk production report? What'd you find there, Karen? Yeah, it sounds like a broken record, right? And it's just mm-hmm. less milk and fewer cows. But the the cow numbers, Davis, it's the lowest number since November of 2019. When we look at that report a little bit deeper, the steepest decline was from New Mexico. 42,000 fewer cows, considerably, considerably less milk, 97 million pounds less. We look at our friends in Texas, they saw a drop of 56 million, 15,000 less cows, but really a lot of that can be contributed to the state's large barn fire last April. But on the positive outlook, I like to keep my eyes open to South Dakota. It once again showed a positive increase in both milk pounds and more cows. 
In fact, that state has increased Davis more than 70% in cow numbers since 2019, which their governor is a big fan of, as it has boosted nearly $4 billion to the state annually. So it's bringing a lot of money. But really what doesn't make sense to me is that low production and yet cheese prices are struggling. It's showing us that demand isn't stellar by any means. And really that's what has to improve if we wanna see milk prices to improve. So there's a lot to see in the US milk production report, but what producers are really looking for is when is this milk price gonna rebound? How are dairy producers weathering the low price environment? Well, you know, I think probably more optimistically than most because okay. this isn't new, right? It's a roller sure. coaster, sure. but they've been on this downward trend long enough. So they, they need to have a little bit of um, optimism to, to perk them going into spring. <laughs> Everybody needs a little sunshine now and then, don't they, Karen? Isn't that true? Isn't that true? (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate you, Karen Bonert from Farm Journal's Milk. Have a great day. Uh, Coming up on the the other side of this break, I've got Dr. Vince Malanga from LaSalle Economics. Uh, What the heck is going on in New York City? We'll see if we can find out. Uh, We should probably talk rates, Fed stuff too, probably. AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson, here. Uh, Glad to have you with us on a Tuesday morning. Chip and Big Apple Joe are traveling, uh, headed down to Commodity Classic. It's going to be great. Uh, You should get down there, too. We're going to get some more details from Big Apple Joe in the fourth segment. Is just directly how you can hook up with them, find them and where they will be at. In the meantime, um, I want to talk a little bit of New York City. I want to talk a little bit of economy. Um, nobody better. Dr. Vince Malanga, LaSalle Economics. Thank you, sir, for joining us this morning. How's everything? Morning, Davis. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. Um, can I speak to you um, first as a New Yorker rather than an economist? <laughs> sure. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm hearing all kinds of stuff, Vince, and I'd I really wanted to to talk to you specifically about some New York City issues that I don't know how big of a deal they are. I don't know how many of them are even true or or whatever. So I'm just going to start here, okay? And this is not okay. I don't want to I don't want to stir up anything with the with the Trump stuff, okay? But in response to the gazillion dollar judgment against uh, former President Donald Trump, 
truckers, and I'm, I think it's mostly like independent guys who own their own rigs and all that sort of stuff, have said that they will boycott shipping into New York City, and I think they're they're thinking specifically into Midtown. Uh, they not only want to protest the judgment, but also they're saying taxes are high, the roads are terrible, it's it's hard as heck to get around down there, obviously. Driving an 18-wheeler down into Midtown is no good, uh, can't be fun. Um, I'm, I'm curious what you have heard about this from the inside, if anything. How much stock do we put in this? What's what's your thought on the, on the trucker protest, Vince? Well, so far I've heard just about probably the same thing that you have. Nothing mm-hmm. has happened uh, yet in terms of a... Uh, uh, a blockade or anything, uh, anything like that. Uh, certainly it would be, uh, a major inconvenience, uh, and the like. But my guess is that that's probably not going to come, uh, come to fruition, that it was probably more talk than action. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. A lot of talk about, um, New York City's sanctuary city status and the, the number of migrants headed there now i'm not saying this but the suggestion has been put out there that perhaps the judgment for so much money has something to do with affording um that sanctuary status uh has there been any well, talk around no those question that it's uh, you know there's no yeah. question that it's causing uh it's causing a lot of disruption mm-hmm. uh both in terms of the uh quality of life issue uh the law and order issue and of course, the uh, the financial burden that it's putting mm-hmm. on uh, putting on the city at a time when the city is trying to recover uh, from COVID, uh, you'd be amazed at how how you know I'd say normal quote unquote normal life is uh, in the city during the day and at night. But you know, New York City was always a twenty four hour a day uh, metropolis, and uh, mm-hmm. when the lights go down and the sun goes down. Uh, things get awfully quiet. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, just let's stay on this this topic for just a little bit longer. Um, there's also concern among New York City developers um, and making future investments. They're saying, well, if if President former President Trump can be held to account for something like this, they're talking about what what he's been accused of, what he's been convicted of now is something that kind of everybody does and. It's really not that big of a deal, and that leads them to wonder, who's next? Do you see a a flight among developers from New York City as a potential development here? Well, I guess there's always the potential. I'd say the odds of that uh, that occurring are uh, quite low. Uh, number one, uh, number two, there's no question that the the verdict, the whole episode, is certainly controversial. Uh, it's going to be appealed. And uh, hopefully, saner heads will uh, saner heads will prevail. Uh, my own suspicion is that the world will lose interest uh, in all of this after the first Tuesday of November. <laughs> Boy, we look forward to that day, don't we, Vince? <laughs> well, I think we look forward to that day, and what's going to be particularly interesting: what happens between that day and and January twentieth. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, just one more thing on this. J.P. Morgan uh, CEO Jamie Dimon believes issues in commercial real estate, and I think he's speaking more broadly just across the country, um, will remain limited. And he also went on to say, look, many property owners can manage this current level of stress, um, j- just that we've been here before, basically. He emphasized lower valuations due to higher interest rates 
are not a crisis, but rather a familiar occurrence. Now, that sounds like a, the voice of reason right there, Vince. Well, it's also coming from a banker who has exposure to commercial real estate. Uh, <laughs> but the fact is that as we look between now and year end, there's approximately a trillion dollars of commercial real estate loans uh, that have to be rolled over uh, or whatever. Uh, and we know interest rates are higher than they were when those first loan when those loans first uh, first came out. And so far, it doesn't look like the Fed. Uh, is on the verge of lowering interest rates anytime soon. So I think I think it's reasonable to su- suggest that there's going to be stress uh, over the next six or nine months. I'm sure some developers will go bankrupt. I'm sure uh, qu- properties will change hands uh, at discounted prices. And, you know, money, you know, the, the property will go from weak hands to strong hands. It's probably something the economy can uh, can withstand as long as the fundamentals are sound. Uh, but nevertheless, there's going to be stress, and it's probably going to have some employment effects uh, and the like. Um, okay, thank you for that. Just, <laughs> thank you for speaking to us. As a, as a New Yorker there, Vince, I, I really appreciate the perspective on all of that stuff. Um, in other news this morning, Janet Yellen headed to South America, Expected to tout the resilience of the U.S. economy. Um, what there was a there was a recession. Everyone was worried. Twenty twenty three came and went. Um, according to Janet Yellen, the U.S. economy was so resilient that we staved it off. Not only here in the United States, but globally as well. Um, did the did the recession actually happen? And maybe this is window dressing, or is something still looming? Or is is it true that recession just it was the recession that wasn't? Well, I'll say two things about that. First of all, Janet used to, Janet Yellen used to have some credibility before she became Treasury Secretary. Second of all, if you throw enough spaghetti at the wall, some of it is bound to stick. Uh, and the fact is that in the Biden administration, uh, all the growth in the economy and the so-called resilience in the economy. Is really cause is really coming uh, from the huge increase in government spending uh, that has taken place, is taking place, and will continue to take place. Uh, who ever heard of a budget deficit in excess of two trillion dollars with the economy operating at full employment uh, for more than a year? It, it's unheard of. And the real risk is, especially with all the uh, with all the p- potential uh, problems out there in the world, uh, that if there's a nat- national emergency or if there's a recession, God only knows how, how high the budget deficit's going to go, but it's going to go sharply higher. And at some point, uh, the, mon- the markets are going to choke uh, on all the Treasury debt that has to be financed, that has to be floated in order to finance that deficit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and meanwhile, meanwhile they've got a they've got a rally in the stock market. This is massive to point to and say, "You see, the economy is fine. We've got a rousing stock market." Is that a legitimate indicator of how it's actually going, Vince? Well, I think the first, you know, I think two things about that. The first thing is that you know profits have been good. Uh, yeah. There's no question about that. That if you look at profits. Uh, in the fourth quarter of last year and thus far in the first quarter of this year, they have exceeded expectations, uh, and that's a positive. Second of all, 
the liquidity is out there. The Fed has certainly stopped uh, raising interest rates, uh, and that that in itself uh, is a positive for the equity market. And of course, the third thing is the artificial intelligence revolution and the potential productivity enhancing effects uh, uh, stemming from uh, artificial intelligence. And we're all hoping that it's for real. We're all, all hoping that it'll have long-run positive effects on productivity because to the extent that it does, everything else, const- everything else constant, it will boost uh, the economy's underlying growth rate. And we need growth uh, in order to get out of this deficit problem. Uh, and that's one of the routes to get it. The other one uh, would certainly be if they would deregulate the economy and stop all the nonsense they're doing. But uh, good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Vince Malanga, uh, you've been very generous with your time this morning. Thank you for your perspective. I sure appreciate it. Uh, hey, let's be careful out there, buddy. What do you say? You bet. Take care. All right. All right. Dr. Vince Malanga from... Uh, from LaSalle Economics, a great conversation. Love talking to Vince. Um, I feel better about some of this stuff. Uh, you know, people get all fired up about things, and uh, it's it's really great to uh, to be able to speak to Vince. We got Doug Hensley coming up next. We're going to talk land on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. And joining us this morning, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Brian, we get to talk about higher corn, beans, and wheat this morning, brother. It looks good. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's take the opportunity while we can, Davis. Right. And, uh, you know, we saw some corrective buying late in the session yesterday across the grain and soy markets, and uh, that's continuing this morning. Uh, probably the most encouraging thing is it's broad-based. So we're seeing corn trade, oh, roughly 2 to $0.04 cents higher here at mid-morning. Soybeans, uh, 5 to $0.09 cents higher. Uh, but those are off of uh, session highs by a nickel or dime in, in most of the contracts, uh, but, but still trading solidly to the upside. And then the wheat market, uh, anywhere from or eight to about twelve cents higher in most of those contracts. Well, looking over at the uh, the livestocks too, we had live and feeder cattle both mixed. Feeder cattle looks like it wants to head solidly higher here at mid morning. Yeah, so feeders are, are trading to the upside. Uh, live cattle, the front end of that market is also firmer here. Uh, starting to see a little bit of weakness in the back end of that market, so somewhat of a mixed tone. And, and uh, you know, we anticipate it will be a lengthy 
uh, wait until we see active cash cattle trade again this week. And, and so uh, the waiting process is underway, so to speak, there. Uh, the hog market, uh, we had pushed to the upside, uh, now mostly weaker here at mid-morning. Uh, but really, just pretty light price action. And, and the cash index continues to rise. Um, traders aren't interested at the moment in extending the premiums that the uh, futures hold to that cash index. Mm-hmm. Let- Take me over to cotton, top right corner here of our chart screen. I got the March at 99 even. Uh, the first three contracts up 200 plus points on the day. Does that tell us something? Well, uh, yeah, the, the cotton market remains explosive here. And, and you mentioned 99 yeah. cents. So a um, dollar or 100, 100 cents is just above that. So that's a key critical level. Brian Grady on Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Your pal Davis Michelson here uh, in for Chip today. And this afternoon, I'll have the uh, commodity cowboy himself, Carl Setzer from Kansas Ag, this afternoon. Looking forward to that conversation. Uh, right now, we're staring down the barrel of a conversation with Doug Hensley from Hertz Real Estate. Let's bring him in, Mr. Hensley. Good morning. Welcome back to AgriTalk. You bet. Hi, Davis, and good to be with you, as always, and hello to everybody out in the countryside. Doug, we uh, we haven't talked in a while. I'm curious here. Uh, the grain guys are sometimes obsessed with <clears throat> analog years. Now, I don't know if we can necessarily find an analog year for what we're experiencing weather-wise this year. An early spring or a warm February like this, has, d- does that do anything for land sales? I feel like it's, it would probably spur some, some early sales. Well, it, it makes it easier to get to sales that are scheduled. That's for sure, Davis. I don't, okay. I don't know that it, that it spurs any additional sales. I think what it does is it kind of points everybody towards spring and uh, gets them thinking that, hey, if I'm going to get something done before spring planting season, as it relates to a sale, they need to be making priority to get that done. So maybe so. Um, I don't think it probably changes things appreciably from an overall volume perspective. But like I said, it it probably does uh, nudge people towards uh, taking action if they plan to get something done. Yeah, can we can we talk about volume just a little bit? How has volume been over the past few months? Yeah, so yeah, so actually, I think the the market compared to you know twenty two and twenty three market has been very much in transition for about the past really the past six to nine months is the way I would describe it. And we can we can somewhat look back and follow the grain market to un, I mean they are very connected the volume and land sales and where grain, the grain markets are. Um, are strongly correlated. And uh, think of it this way, Davis, when when you have an asset that is really valuable, you want to sell it at a time when everybody's feeling good about the market, don't you? And uh, in early 2023, people were still feeling pretty good selling $6 corn and $14 or $15 soybeans. And as we got into the growing season last year, we obviously had a little bit of volatility. But generally, when we look back at the year uh, the 52-week charts over the past year, we kind of see this slow grind to the low side uh, when it comes to commodities. And 
I think as we got into the summer, the the re, that reality um, started to to surface with potential land sellers, and we actually saw a drop in volume uh, market wide um, across the second half of 2023. Obviously, there's some months. November is always a really busy auction month um, coming out of harvest. Um, but when we look at year over year comparisons. Um, we're actually seeing less overall volume in the marketplace for land sales than what we have in the past three to four years. And again, that stands to reason because people don't like to sell in the face of weakness in commodities. And so I actually think the the drop in overall sales volume for land is one of the things that's actually helping maintain price levels. Because even in spite of the drop in commodity prices, we haven't seen an appreciable change in land values, at least yet. And so I think the reality of fewer farms coming on the market, I think that's a supply and demand concept that most of your listeners will understand whenever something's scarce, the price of it typically goes up. And in a, you know, from a big picture perspective, that, that holds in the land business as well. When we see fewer sales, generally speaking, prices are going to be stickier, even in the face of, uh, of, you know, uh, underlying weakness in other parts of the market. So um, does that make sense what I'm sharing with you? Absolutely, it does. Although I'm, I'm curious, I'm not seeing nearly as many exclamation points when, when uh, firms report land sales. I'm not seeing those 25, 26, 27, no. even $30,000 sales anymore. It seems like we're settling in sort of sub 20 grand per acre for, for you know, most of the, uh, the sales that I'm seeing. Yeah, for sure. We're not, I mean, it's a, certainly a situation where uh, across the market and we're not hitting any new highs right now. I think most of the, most of the new highs were made uh, again, nine to 18 months ago. And here in 2024, given, you know, both commodity prices and higher interest rates and just some of these, some of these pressures that we haven't seen for a while uh, kind of takes the top out of the market. And that's not to say that you can't still have a really strong sale. And, uh, you know, there have been some 20,000 plus sales, but you're exactly right. We're not seeing the 25s and 30s that that caught so much of the of the press, uh, you know, 12 to 24 months ago. And Mm -hmm. truth be told that, you know, even when we saw those 25 and 27 and 30,000 dollar sales, that wasn't the market Um, that those were exceptions within the market. But you you more commonly see those exceptions show up when you have strength because the the top just gets a little higher. And so uh, we're not we're not seeing that in today's market. I think we're still maintaining ourselves pretty well. Um, And it depends a little bit on exactly where you are and how, you know, how good of a crop people had last year. There are some pockets that had really, you know, super dry conditions and they didn't grow a very good crop. And so the pressure is even a little tighter. in some of those areas than what it is uh, broadly. But overall, I think we're kind of holding our own and mm-hmm. we're, I think we're waiting for this grain market to find a bottom and then we'll yeah. figure out which, which way to go from there. Well, and I'm, I'm curious, this may, may be two completely unrelated matters, but let's, let's rewind what a year, year and a half ago, maybe even two years ago mm-hmm. when the, when the land market really took off and we started to yes. see more of those pops to the upside, like you said, you know, those, Maybe aberrational sales, but nonetheless, twenty-seven grand in you know in Nebraska hey, it's real is, money. is of note. <laughs> uh, did the 
did the land market see the rally in the stock market coming? Was, was it a necessary precursor or some sort of precursor to a rally in the stock market? Can we draw that connection? I, actually, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think there's a strong correlation between the equity markets and, and the land market. What I would say is, however, um, you know, uh, the weakness in the land market is really related to factors that are very directly uh, connected to it. Um, the equities have been on a tear, and mm -hmm. that's a little surprising, and I, and I think that to some people it is. Uh, particularly given the interest rate environment that we're in. But the reality is, is that there's still consumer dollars at play. And, you know, companies uh, on the equity side of things have been making strong profits. And so that has been powering things. And as it relates to the, to the uh, you know, the stock market and the Fed, um, the Fed is looking at the strength in the overall economy, even in spite of these increases in interest rates. And they're saying, Hey, um, you know, we're not going to be cutting rates anytime soon. There's all, there's still some level of thought that maybe they're not done raising rates. And, um, you know, that's obviously a wet blanket to the, to the land market when we see this higher interest rate environment. And it's not to say that farmers and farmland buyers have been borrowing a lot of money because they're coming off of, of two to three just phenomenal profit years. Yeah. But, um, when we start doing math on a potential land purchase and we're, we're plugging in seven, seven and a half, eight percent interest rates over a long term compared to what we were using uh, in an interest rate uh, plug figure, you know, two years ago when it was three and a half to four and a half percent, the math really changes. And so um, at some point, the interest rate environment is going to put enough um, pressure on our overall economy that things will slow down. But you're right. Um, investors, pure play investors have mm -hmm. been saying, hey, this land market's been on a terrific tear for two to three years and equities may have been a little, um, you know, mispriced, uh, mm -hmm. relatively speaking. So some people may have gotten into the equity markets yeah. because of the strength in land. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Doug, putting together my monthly landowner newsletter, um, picking through sales and things, I know that your company has had a, some pretty decent exposure in Minnesota. It seems like Minnesota row crop land um, feels kind of hot right now. Is that a thing? Yeah. Well, I think it is. And people, you know, there's uh, years ago, it was kind of the west central part of Illinois that was a little bit of an unknown market. And I think Minnesota is maybe that uh, most recent um, new discovery to, to uh, particularly investor buyers of farmland. And when I think of uh, southern Minnesota or Minnesota in general, I think of that, those southern three or four counties that are really productive, uh, quality soils, really strong operators. And, you know, you have a little more weather risk as you get up there. But in many ways, I think of southern three or four counties in Minnesota almost as an extension of Iowa from a from a capacity to grow crops perspective. And, you know, years ago, we didn't have uh, ethanol and all the livestock use uh, in the, exactly the same levels. And so the grain markets also in that area have shifted over time and the basis has strengthened. And, you know, the difference between central Illinois and northern Iowa or southern Minnesota used to be really, really great. And it has narrowed over time. And so, yeah, I think there's uh, there's people looking at Minnesota in a way that they probably wouldn't have 10 to 15 years ago just because of the development in the market. And 
knowledge travels so much quicker today or information travels so much quicker, Davis, and people can evaluate a farm uh, with some of the tools that we have in a way that before um, covering the miles was just harder to do. So um, technology has brought us a long way and provided some visibility um, in markets that maybe weren't as exposed as what they used to be. Doug, we're going to run out of time quick, but I want to give you a chance. Where can people get more on uh, on what you're doing over there at Hertz Real Estate? Yep, they can always uh, jump on our website, Hertz.ag. That's H-E-R-T-Z dot A-G. Good to be with uh, you, Davis. Always uh, is. Outstanding, Doug. Thank you so much for your perspective. Uh, we, we appreciate you, brother. Uh, on the other side of this here break, I think we got Big Apple Joe coming in. Um, he wants to say words. And uh, you know what? I've got some fertilizer news. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you the prices, but I also have some news. News! From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. Alka-Seltzer directly into the coffee. Wow. I don't know if that's ever been attempted before. I feel like if you're if you're in a position where you're putting Alka-Seltzer in, in your morning coffee, you maybe need to rethink your evening routine. Just a thought. Just a thought. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Davis Michelson here with you. Uh, Chip is traveling, and so is our very own Big Apple Joe. However, he just can't keep away. He can't keep away. I've got Big Apple Joe on the line right now, actually. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Oh, just great. It's 67 degrees out here. I'm driving. I'm pulled over right now, but I was driving with the windows down, the arm hanging out the side. I just love it. It's going to be you even sound- better down in you sound like you're in some sort of tube. Did, did did you rent one of those smart cars? Is that what you got going there, buddy? Uh, it's just the usual Farm Journal truck. I don't know how smart it is. <laughs> All right. That's up to the driver, bro, to bring the smart. <laughs> <laughs> so you are headed uh, headed to Houston, Texas for uh, Commodity Classic. You wanted to hop on here and just give some more details. So um, let me just turn it over to you. What do you want to say, bro? Well, uh, obviously today uh, you are behind the big green leafy microphone and uh, Harrison Jessup is uh, sitting in for me. And so is Sam Green for a couple of afternoon shows. So you're in good hands. Um, Then it's tomorrow and uh, Chip will return as the host. Uh, It's not officially a, uh, you know, commodity classic show, but nevertheless, we're going to have a 
conversation with Rick Brock of the Brock Report. Usually we save the marketing stuff for the afternoon show, but we feel yeah. that it's dominating ag so much these days that the morning show tomorrow will also uh, be about uh, the markets. And we also have something of a market-focused farmer forum with Caleb Hamer and Ryan Wagner. So that's tomorrow morning. Uh, tomorrow afternoon, that's when things really get going. And uh, we're going to be broadcasting from Commodity Classic in the National Corn Growers Association's booth. That's on the third floor, oh, wow. number 7405. Yeah. We're going to have Jim McCormick from Ag Market. He's going to be uh, one of our guests. He's going to be our guest analyst for tomorrow afternoon show. And we're also going to have a conversation with NCGA President Harold Woolley. So that'll be that'll be a good uh, oh, yeah. way to kick things off down there, I think. You bet. Chip's really excited. Like He's like, here we are, Humanity <laughs> Classic, and we're going to be broadcasting from NCGA's booth. He's really excited yeah. about that. It sounds like perfection. And then, yeah. yeah, it's, it's going to be cool. Um, and then USB, uh, United Soybean Board, you know, uh, we've been reporting a lot on what they've been up to these days. Uh, remember, we went to the uh, uh, the uh, ports uh, in Washington and in um, uh, down in uh, North Louisiana, that's right. Yep. And um, so here again at Commodity Classic, we're going to capitalize on an opportunity to tell more of USB, USB's continuing story. And uh, we've actually uh, turned the scheduling duties over to them for the Thursday and Friday morning show. Oh, so okay. Getting the details. I should be getting the details for who we're going to be talking with. We have some ideas, but uh, uh -huh. I don't uh -huh. want to say anybody until we're absolutely 100% sure. Uh, sure. But those are going to be really good, informative shows, both on Thursday and Friday morning. And we'll be doing those from USB's booth. That's on the first floor at uh, number 2311. So that'll be fun. And, you know, anybody who's going to be at Commodity Classic, you know, feel free to come on, check us out, uh, how we uh -huh. do things, how the sausage is made, so to speak, sure. and, yeah. uh, and and see how these conversations unfold live. Uh, or, you know, listen on the radio uh, or streaming as you normally do. That's fine yeah. as well. We're not mm -hmm. particular. <laughs> so we've got... We got Wednesday PM yeah. show at the NCGA booth up on the third floor, but then Thursday and Friday, both the AM shows are at USB booth twenty three eleven on the first floor. There, what you got Thursday yeah. afternoon? Thursday afternoon, we will be at Maristem's booth. That's on the third floor. That's okay. number sixty four thirty nine. Okay, at the Maristem and, uh, booth on Thursday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's right. That's number sixty four thirty nine, third floor. Our, uh, so far, we have two uh, market analysts, Brian Doherty from Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson uh, and Rich Nelson from Allendale, Inc. And they will be there uh, with us in person. Uh, I've never met them yet, uh, so oh, I'm really? looking forward to that. Yeah, no, cool guys. No, yeah. In fact, yeah, it'll be good. Um, and so, yeah, at Maristan's booth, we'll definitely stick with the uh, the marketing uh you know, focus as usual, especially because you never know what the story might be. Right. Uh, and we'll have two different perspectives at least. Um, I know Ted Seifried from Zinner Ag Hedge is going to be in the building. He'll be around. Um, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if we can work him in. I'm hoping we can. Yeah. But you never know. A lot of times these shows, they get uh, like an airplane, sometimes a little overbooked. Sure. We don't want to have that happen, but it, sometimes we can't help it. 
yeah. It's an embarrassment of riches when it comes to guests down there, isn't it, Joe? I think so. Yes, yeah. indeed. And then Friday, it, the afternoon you know, show. Yeah, uh, Friday yeah. afternoon show. We got to get this in quick. BASF booth on the first floor uh, at thirty two oh three. Booth number three two zero three for the Friday PM yep. show. Joe. Yep, we'll have Oliver Slope. Never met him. Blue Line Futures. Tommy Grassafi. I don't think I've met him from Advanced Trading and Ag Bowl Media. Looking forward to meeting all, everybody. Looking forward to seeing everybody down there. Thank you. You know. Chip always comes home from these deals all excited, and he's talking about the interaction and all this stuff. Joe, I'm excited for you to meet some of these mm-hmm. folks that you, that you haven't met before. This, I think this will be this will be really cool, and it's great coverage, dude. It's like the whole what well, we got this afternoon, but then the whole rest of the week, uh, just jam packed yeah. with with experts and uh, people who are really switched on. Yep, you bet. It's going to be a celebration of agriculture. That is for sure. I love that, a celebration of ag. Big Apple Joe Stackler, travel safe, buddy. We love you, and uh, we'll talk to you from Houston. What say? Sounds good to me. Thanks. Great show. I heard it all. Oh, thank you. Uh, Gosh, the boss was listening in. I didn't even know. I didn't know I was supposed to be nervous. (laughs) Uh, It was a great show. Uh, We appreciate Dr. (laughs) Vince Malanga, uh, Doug Hensley from Hertz uh, Real Estate, of course, and Karen Bonert, and Big Apple Joe. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. I'm Davis Michelson. This afternoon, I plan to talk with Carl Setzer from Consus, the commodity cowboy himself. Um, you know, we'll talk about some of these same issues here, too, because Carl's a big thinker, but we'll also make it super practical if we can. We'll talk grains, we'll talk marketing, we'll talk livestock, and we'll find out if miniature cows are as good as the regular sized ones.